five nights with Smash Africa. Smash Africa. Tonight, uh, we are focusing it on yes and no relationship dynamics with the in-laws. And as per usual, I've got a friend of the show, Sean Zimunya, senior clinical therapist and wellness specialist joining me on the line. One of our listeners on, 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 uh, on Five Nights uh, hit us up and, uh, you know, I didn't even throw out a question. I didn't ask what's happening um, uh, with their in-laws or the dynamics, uh, what the dynamics are around that. But let me just quickly play this WhatsApp voice note. Take a listen to this. Uh, uh, smash your in-laws, in-laws, in-laws. You know the thing is, my in-laws, they're good people. They're good people, you know. But the fact that I need to smile all the time and I actually find it quite hard to say no to them about anything you know I feel like I can't stand my ground with them I don't know why but it's just like oh but it's yeah it's it's a mess you I, I can't say no to them if I say no to them I just have to say it very politely in a paragraph form <laughs> but yeah oh man yeah uh, in-laws they're a task it's a tough task she says that's her situation that's her real life experience um sean when you hear that whatsapp voice note what's the first thing that comes to mind the first thing that comes to mind is boundaries mm. That's the first thing that comes to mind. Um, clearly, there haven't been any. And the second thing that comes to mind is that however nice people are, they are a lot of the time selfish by nature. And they will test boundaries to see how much you can take. So the second that you allow it to happen, it will happen over and over and over and over again. So ideally, what should have happened is that when the relationship started, um, actually, the groundwork should have been done between the two who are married. Let's speak about our parents. Let's speak about what it is that we're able to do for them. And let's speak about how we manage those dynamics. Once you don't do that, then you run into problems. What sort of problems are we talking about? Um, Staff SA released a report that says 40% of marriages in South Africa end in divorce before 10 years. And one of the multiple reasons that caused those divorces is family intrusion, where the one party now allows their family, either it could be a parent, a dominating mother, or a dominating father, to dictate what happens in this marriage. And this is why people end up separating, even. Mm, mm, mm. Now, <clears throat> that WhatsApp voice note, you could swear like this person was sitting with me when I was writing these questions up. My question is, how do we best go about setting boundaries with our in-laws? And you mentioned that that couple needs to initiate the conversation. And what when does that initiation or the, the initiative to have that conversation begin? Early stages before we even talk about settling down or the moment there's a proposal? Early stages before we even talk of settling down. Um, um, it's important because if you don't figure out, firstly, what sort of a family somebody comes from at that time, you may be in for a rude awakening. Uh, I'll give a classic example. If you, and, and it's, it's sad, but that's a sad reality. If you marry someone who is the breadwinner at their household, and you are either unaware of it or you don't realize the enormity of it, 
what's going to happen is that whenever you get married, obviously that's going to have financial implications on your particular marriage. So mm. you should factor it, all of that in before you actually decide whether you want to settle with someone or not. So this is a, it's one of what I, when I do um, therapy with couples, it's what we call foundational conversations. The foundations that we're building for this particular marriage should include a discussion around what particular role does your family expect you to play on a financial level, even on a psychological or emotional level. Because you also don't want to end up with somebody who is the entire family support system such that they have no capacity to support you mm. as their partner. Let's talk about pleasing your partner. Does pleasing your partner also come with pleasing your in-laws? And when is the best time to have this conversation? In my opinion, it shouldn't come with pleasing your in-laws because these are two separate entities, right? Mm. Um, and, and in my opinion, you made a commitment to your partner, not to your in-laws. Well, of course, you should be respectful. There should be some kind of a relationship between yourself and your in-laws. But the only person that you should primarily be concerned about pleasing is your partner. Because the two of you so it fit to leave your household, your families, and to form your own. The second that you form your own family, automatically you need to devise your own family values, your own belief systems, mm. your own traditions even. Mm. So in my opinion, you definitely shouldn't be worried about pleasing the in-laws. Your sole focus should be pleasing your partner um, because that's the person that you plan on spending your entire life with. You do not necessarily spend your entire life with your in-laws even though they are part of your life. That is straightforward and clear. Now, let's talk about compromise. How does compromise work with in-laws, Sean? It can be tricky um, mm. because, again, if you compromise, sometimes what you're doing is that you're actually allowing people to cross boundaries. And the problem is that because you've allowed it once, it may keep happening over and over and over again. So what I always say is rather we reach a point where we ask ourselves, just like we were discussing throughout this series, do we have the capacity to help if we need to help? Do we have the capacity to grant whatever their request is? And now this is why it's important that you present a united front, um, you and your partner. Because if it's only one person speaking all the time, then that one person runs the risk of being labeled as, yeah, mm. so ever saying no. So actually your partner, um, I'll, I'll tell you how it works in my marriage, which has actually helped quite a lot. When it comes to dealing with her family, she has to do the groundwork because they are essentially her people, mm, right? Mm. So she would know how to say no to them. These people grow up together. They understand each other. As opposed to me saying no, because when I say no, then it, it, it seems awkward. But I do say no if it's necessary, because sometimes, remember, if people grow up together, then boundaries are also quite tricky to set up. So then what she then does is if they make a request to her, she reminds them of the fact that she's now married, so she has to run it past me, and then I will give a response. That's how we shout at each other. The same applies when it comes to my own family. I would have to inform them that I will run it by her, and then she will give a response. That way, what does it avoid? It avoids situations in which they take advantage of the fact that I'm their child, so they can make these huge and crazy demands but the second that she gets involved a lot of the times you find well the demands have actually been lowered and you ask yourself so what exactly was happening here so you need to make sure that you present a united front you and your partner 
and ensure that both of you do the dirty work on either side of the family that you come from so that you draw those lines way beforehand. But the most important part is that um, you, in my opinion, please don't marry someone when you are not able to protect them. Please don't marry uh, someone if, if you are unable to protect them. Let's get into this one. This one is is tricky because it's an uncomfortable one if you if you like. Uh, when you when you get married, you start in your own family. So you're moving from one family to a new family. Now, does that mean potentially ditching your old family traditions and adopting new family traditions? When and how can we address this? And how do we have these conversations? How do we let them happen? Because they can't happen organically, I, I can imagine. For me, it's, it's all part of the prep work that needs to go into um, actually building a relationship. Mm-hmm. These are the conversations we ought to be having instead of worrying about what the guy drives and what the girl drives, etc. We actually really should be worried about what sort of people are we going to spend the rest of our lives with? Mm-hmm. What sort of traditions do they hold dearly? What value systems, what belief systems do they have? Because that's the essence of what or who a human being is. So for me, it's a conversation we need to have before. And if you're going to build a marriage that's sustainable, in my opinion, you are taking traditions from both sides of the family, mm. putting them under the spotlight, and then asking yourself, as in the two of you, which of these traditions do you think are going to be helpful for us as we build? Which of these traditions do you think we need to discard? Are there any new traditions that you feel we need to build into or we need to involve um, as we build our own family. For me, that's what would work best. Um, the second, you'd simply adopt one person's side of the traditions. At a certain point, somebody's going to feel stifled, somebody's going to feel ignored, somebody's mm. going to feel as though they do not matter because their opinions were not taken into um, cognizance. So for me, let's have conversations around what traditions did you grow up under? What value systems? What belief systems? Why do you think they worked? Or why do you think they didn't work? Let's have conversations around what do we need to change? How do we discipline our children um, when they come or if we have them? What methods do we use to resolve conflict between ourselves but also between family members? How do we handle issues such as um, excessive demands from our in-laws or from family members. It could be cousins, it could be the mother-in-law, the father-in-law. You guys need to have a system wherein you speak about all of that. Because the second you have a system or a model, then it makes it easier for you to deal with situations as they arise. But if you find yourself, in, and for me, automatically what it says is that there is open communication now between the two of us. That's why we're able to speak about everything. There is also transparency, there is honesty. Nobody's going behind anybody's back and giving their own family money without the knowledge of the other. Mm. Because once that happens again, in my opinion, um, this is where some of the problems emanate from. The fact that people then call you and then say, thank you, Smash, uh, we received the 100k that you and your wife gave to us and you have no idea mm, <laughs> that mm. was for 100k so for me it's about openness it's about transparency it's about fairness what we do on the left let's try and do on the right yes families are not the same so in as much as we may want to speak about 
equality in terms of what we're doing for them. I think equity is more applicable where we say to each according to need. Um, but it should only be once our needs are met as a couple. Because I also know of couples that are under strain because they're so busy pleasing mm. the extended family or the in-laws. They themselves are actually in financial trouble as a result of that. So we need to be careful about all of these things. Now, um, when, when your partner can't say no to your in-laws, how can a spouse navigate this one without being made to be out of pocket? And I like the fact that you mentioned loaning money and realizing like, how do we, how do we address this? And, and is there such a thing as being out of pocket when you are navigating this conversation? Oh, but of course you can be out of pocket. Um, I gave you stats earlier on, I said four out of every 10 marriages in South Africa end in divorce before 10 years. And one of the major reasons is, uh, apart from finances, it's also family intrusion, where we're allowing the family to dictate what happens in this marriage. So automatically for me, the second that somebody cannot say no, then we need to have an honest conversation. Um, listen, whatever it is that you are doing where you fail to put up boundaries, it's putting us in a lot of trouble. I'm not happy about it. Can we find ways of addressing that? Um, what usually works is this. A lot of the times, this is why I say it, however nice people can be as in-laws, sometimes because of human nature, they become selfish and they try and test boundaries. So this is why unity is the most important uh, is one of the most important ingredients for a successful marriage. If we're pulling in the same direction, it will not be easy for someone to come to me and try and convince me to loan them money, for example, without the knowledge of my spouse. Mm. Because we work together and so we pull in the same direction. So that's where it actually starts. We then need to be honest with each other. Listen, I struggle to say no to my parents or I struggle to say no to your parents so can you take the lead because I feel as though sometimes they then tend to take advantage of the situation so it's all about honesty it's all about also just observing what families do is that they study you mm. way before you actually even marry <laughs> when you go for that uh, family function that you're invited to where you're you know that one where you're sitting by the corner mm. of the tent mm. because you, you don't really want to be seen but also you're there that's why they start studying you. So, okay, if we ask him to buy a six-pack and then we ask him to buy whiskey, etc., if he's going to do it, you always have that uncle who's there to try and test and push boundaries. Um, and then you always have those cousins as well who feel as though they have a right to your wallet simply because you're dating their cousin. So this is actually where they start studying you and your ability to put up boundaries, right? If you fail that test automatically, I can assure you your entire marriage will be coming to your house demanding things. So we need to have this conversation from an early um, stage in the relationship, but also we also need to be observant of the families themselves. What particular patterns are they in that family? Are they people that are welcoming? Are they people that are pretentious? Because it happens. Some people are pretentious. Are they people that understand when you put up boundaries? Are they people that respect your space? Um, I, I know of fights that happen because the daughter-in-law comes to her house from work and finds the mother-in-law taking over the entire kitchen. Mm, <laughs> and then mm. it becomes a, a territorial fight. So these are all things that you could have actually just observed before they happened. So you need to be a lot more observant. Please do a lot of research, I would say, into the people that you are planning on marrying because sometimes when you fail to research properly, you get a rude awakening when you're married. And sometimes it's too late. Sometimes it ends up um, leading to the dissolution of the marriage itself. 
Sean, this one is interesting because, mm. you know, every family's got politics. Yes. Inheriting family beef and politics. What? What's, what's your stance on that? <laughs> Where do we draw the line? <laughs> yeah, family beef is a huge one. <laughs> um, I try and not be recruited into beef with people that have done nothing wrong to me. Mm. So, but, but it's, 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 this can be, yeah, it, it, it can be two ways. Firstly, you may be warned about someone, um, and it's a genuine warning because their behavior is well known within the family. But also, sometimes you may just be recruited to hate someone or dislike someone when you've never actually had an interaction with them. Mm. So I always, I always give myself the chance to get to know people on my terms. What does that mean? I want to put this person under the spotlight, observe. The things I've been told about Smash, are they actually true? Or was there a misunderstanding between this particular individual and Smash? And now he's going around um, soiling Smash's name. So it's actually up to you as an individual. Do you listen to what people say? Or do you take it with a little bit, a pinch of salt? Because as we know, families by their nature are functional. Um, there are factions even within families. <laughs> so you ought to be careful how you navigate this one. But the best thing is that always test out every story that you're told. Is there an element of truth in it? Or are you actually being manipulated indirectly by being loaded with all of these false um, allegations against someone? I love that. Smash Africa on five.